0: Hello and welcome to the Newbie Dentist Podcast, the safe place for newbie dentists to connect, collaborate, learn, and grow. The Newbie Dentist Podcast aims to provide high-quality and high-value content for all the newbie dentists out there. With your host, Dr. Omerizami.
1: Hello, and welcome back for another episode of the Newbie Dentist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Omid Azami, and I am super excited to be here with someone who I admire uh, and look up to, and I've heard fantastic things about, Dr. Mark Hassid. Dr. Mark Hassid graduated dental school in 1980 and uh, is currently a lecturer around uh, Australia and around the world under the Relaxed Dentist brand, and his uh, work is focused around the art of case acceptance. So Dr. Mark Hassett, thank you so much for being on here. Um, I'm a big fan of yours. All my uh, classmates from Melbourne Dental School um, all rave on about you and your work and and the things that they learned from you for case acceptance. So I really appreciate you giving me some of your time here and uh, I'm really excited to talk to you. So if you can just go into a bit of your background about yourself and then we'll sort of jump off from there.
0: All right. Uh, I mean, I suppose you, you introduced me as a case acceptance and, and that is probably the biggest thing I do. But my greatest interest, what really led me in the case acceptance was um, efficiency. I, I mean, I, I just love working efficiently. That's really what I love. And, and one of the things that I noticed when I first got out was I was spending this huge amount of time trying to explain treatment to patients. It just goes on and on and on. You know, and, and then at the end they go, oh, uh, I'll think about it, you know, and they walk out of the room and, yeah. uh, and you realise you've just, you know, you've just burnt 25 minutes for nothing, you know, sort of thing. So that, that offended my innate sense of efficiency, you know, <laughs> plus, you know, I mean, it's just not a good, good use of my day. I'd rather be playing tennis or something, you know. <laughs> so, so I started thinking about it and, and I realised the missing piece in the puzzle with efficiency was the ability to communicate really rapidly with patients. Yeah. A- and um it's just amazing once once you get that key, once you know how to unlock that key, it's incredible the stuff it does for your practice. I mean, it's incredible how things open up. Um a, a friend of mine a while ago attended the course and this guy talks too much, you know, he just talks <laughs> on and on and on at the patients, right? You know, like half an hour or whatever. Yeah. And so we practiced and practiced, you know, shortening it down and shortening it down, you know, and just getting a case presentation down to you know, sixty to ninety seconds, right? Sixty to ninety. You know, that's that's the goal to get yeah. it in that time frame. And anyway, he went back to his practice and presented a sixty eight thousand dollar case and got acceptance inside wow. ninety seconds. That's, that's and a it awesome. was just, you know, like he was blind away. And but his comment was hurt uh shutting up hurts so bad. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I, I said, us. well, you know, go have <laughs> a
0: coffee, you know, like you got the acceptance, forget about it, go have a coffee.
1: That's awesome. Um, so, I, I mean, I've, you know, I watched a few of your videos that you've posted up, and um, I saw that you had that first big case that you talk about. Um, you're fresh out of school, you're working, and uh, the patient comes in, they have a lot of work to do, and, you know, you're talking away. And then you arrive at a price point of, you know, $6,000. This treatment is going to cost $6,000. And then you keep talking and then you drop it down to $2,000. And then still the patient's not happy and and you don't get that acceptance. So how did you go from there to where you are now? Obviously, I know you've mentioned uh, you love efficiency and that was like the driving factor there. Um, but in terms of practicality and uh, and uh, application, um, what tips would you have for someone who's like just, you know, starting out work and now they're realizing, wow, that case acceptance and uh, patient communication side of things is like more important than maybe my clinical skills, because I'm not going to get to do any of the cool things I'm learning if I don't know how to get patients to uh, find value in it and accept it.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, one of my, well, uh, I suppose he could be a mentor, but I never met him, but I, I met his influence through the dental career was um, a fellow called LD Panky who founded yeah. the Panky Institute down in Miami, Florida. You know, very, very influential dentist. He, he died a couple of years before I visited the in- institute. But the thing with um, with Panky um, was he said that the basis of a successful dental practice is your ability to communicate. Now, I think that's so interesting because at his you know, institute they teach marvelous restorative dentistry and all the techniques for occlusion and you know how yeah. to prep teeth and you know all this sort of stuff, and yet here's the guy who's the, the the guru with this fine quality dentistry, and he says the basis of your practice is your ability to communicate. So really, it's the first thing is to have that realization. I mean, I visited a dentist a while ago in Sydney. And quite a prominent dentist in Australia and had marvellous technical skills. I mean, he almost had sparks coming from the ends of his fingers. He was so, you know, skilled at <laughs> dentistry. He knew occlusion, he knew perio, he knew implants, he knew crown and bridge. Like this guy knew everything and his practice is just mediocre, like Fairly mediocre and why is it mediocre because he can't express himself to patients that was it you know so if, if the young did if the first thing is to get that realization that yes. that's going to be the key that will unlock your practice so once you've got that realization then what you need to do is start pursuing the knowledge so you start getting out there and I mean I, I just uh, yesterday I flew up to Brisbane and I was presenting to a group of dentists in Brisbane. I said, "You guys are so lucky! Like here you are sitting in your hometown. I've come to you. I'm giving you a presentation about all this stuff. I had to fly to, you know, uh, Utah. I had to fly to to see, you know, like yeah. to get this stuff. You know, it's just ridiculous. And and now you know it comes to you. So it, yeah, I mean." The realization is the first thing. I need to know how to communicate. Then you've got to get the knowledge, and then you've got to apply the knowledge. Because, I mean, I've given you know now this, this seminar to literally hundreds of dentists, and some of them make an incredible success with it and just go from leaps and downs. And others just sit there and they drop back into their bad habits. Yeah, (laughs) and they stay where they are, you know. And and, or they're good for a while, and then all of a sudden they start drifting back, you know, and drifting. And then I, then their boss gets me in again, and they go back (laughs) up again, sort of thing. Yeah. So um, uh, realization, knowledge, and that discipline to stay with the good habits.
1: That's awesome, and. From your experience, what is, so if you're, if someone's listening right now and, and they're just looking for, you know, uh, you know, three or four quick, uh, things that they can try out. Um, cause this is something that, you know, when I, I graduated from school and generally speaking, like I thought I was like, you know, pretty comfortable talking to patients and pretty well, like I felt like, I felt like I was a good communicator. So when I started seeing patients, I was talking well, you know, my eye contact is good. I'm building rapport but it wasn't like translating into case acceptance for, you know, what I was hoping to do. And, um, so I needed to find, find ways to like refine it. Right. And, um, so, you know, I started reading reading articles and, you know, some books and everything and podcasts and, you know, trying to pick up, you know, key phrases or sentences or, or ideas. So from your experience and from your sort of approach to things, um, what would you say like a good starting point would be like, if someone wants to implement something tomorrow after listening to this podcast, what could be something that you would recommend they, they try?
0: Well, one of the first things I'd say would be that stop trying to teach patients dentistry. Right, <laughs> they're not interested. Yeah. They do not want to know how root the technique of how root filling is done. Imagine if you took your car to be repaired. Right. Yeah. You if you drive, you know, it's running rough. You drive it into the repair shop. The guy looks at it. All you want him to say it's the gearbox, I need it for three days, it'll cost 1200 bucks, right? And you'd go, that's it, see you in three days and you'd be gone, right? <laughs> Instead of that, like if, if the mechanic was a dentist, he would put up a wall chart and start saying, let me show you how a gearbox works. This is the wheel that spins around. And, you know, and you'd look at the guy and go, are you mental? Like, stop <laughs> this. <laughs> you know? But dentists... We get in there and we show the patient's cross-sections of teeth and, yeah. you know, this is where the reason goes and this is how we prepare. And we think that help, that helps and it's just absolutely crazy. So the first thing i say is stop trying to take, teach patients the industry. They are not interested. They don't want to know. So if a patient said to me, what's a root filling, right? Very simple question that they might ask. You know, I, I need a root What's a root filling? What we do is we clean out infection and we seal up the root and that gets rid of your pain easy that's the total <laughs> explanation <right? Yeah. laughs> how long did that take like that was about 15 words and, and four seconds right yeah instead of that you ask the average dentist what a root filling is and 15 minutes later the nurses are standing by the door going doctor doctor." <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing is i'd really get rid of all that extraneous detail and then, what you've got to do is make the decision simple for patients. And the way you make it simple is by offering two very clear choices. Yeah. You know, and and it, it, so many people have you watched the film The Matrix? Uh, you know, The Matrix is an all kind of classic film, you know, Lawrence yeah. Fishburne and Keanu Reeves, right? And in that yes. film, Lawrence Fishburne holds out his hands and says, Which pill do you want, the red pill or the blue pill, right? Yeah. And Keanu Reeves is. I'll go for the you know which I can't remember from the film which one, but you know, picks one of the and you know, it's a very clear choice, right? Yeah. But dent if dentists were doing this, they'd go, well, do you want the red pill or the blue pill, or maybe the purple or the yellow, or what about the green? Right? And yep. all that does in the patient's mind is it introduces this sort of doubt and spinning and all this sort of stuff, and then they can't make a decision. So you've always got to just make the decision short clear. You know, clear option: red, blue, and that's it. So someone comes in with a broken tooth, right? What are the choices? We can fill it again or we can put a full coverage restoration, you know, something indirect on it, right? A crown, let's say. Yeah. So red, red pill. Okay, Mr. Patient, you know, what's happened is the tooth is weak and that's, you know, it's been nearly all filling over years and that's why it's broken. So you've got two choices. One is we can take the old filling out, refill it again, which is quick and cheap but the risk is it's going to break again or the other thing is we can put on the tooth what we call a crown just a cover over the top that holds it together now drawback with a crown it'll cost you more sixteen hundred and fifty dollars but the plus is you get a really strong tooth that mu- that's much less likely to break um what do you want to do
1: that's perfect <laughs> that's, that's, <it. laughs>
0: that's the presentation with a crown right that's See, incredible and that's- you listen to that it, it, there's no technical details, none. You know, like I'm not explaining, well, we take the burr and go, the, you know, like, <laughs> so there's no technical details. It's just very simple, red pill, blue pill, you know, cheap, quick, not so strong, more expensive, much stronger. You know, there is the choice. And patients, when they hear that, they go, okay. Basically, if they've got the money, they will have the crown if they haven't got the money. They'll go for the filling. But you know the answer in less than one minute, don't you? Yeah, that's perfect.
1: <laughs> Where, you know, <laughs>
0: instead of we get all this bogged down with we've got to explain this and explain that, you know, So, that, so that'd be my thing. You know, like stop the technical detail and give a very clear choice between two options. That's interesting,
1: and it's it's funny because you mentioned uh, like a mechanic in your example, um, which just made me think. Uh, I know like unfortunately dentistry has like a bad rep sometimes and patients nowadays maybe like not as trusting of dentists as it maybe be um, in years past. So do you think this type of uh, case presentation like enhances the trust because you're being very like clear and direct and you're not kind of jumbling around words trying to explain because in, in my mind maybe or in a lot of people's mind if you explain things like really thoroughly you're showing that it's like a genuine issue and that you're not sort of you know, just making things up or overselling or anything like that. Um, what's what's your thoughts on that?
0: Well, I, I think we've got a couple of issues there. One is there, there is an issue of, of trust, um, but trust can be gained very quickly and it's how you carry yourself, how you present yourself, the the intensity with which you examine the patient, the, the seriousness with which you regard their problems. I mean, once people know that you're really sort of serious and interested in them that, that they relax and they become you know much more trusting um a while ago i had a, a problem with this eyelid you know stye there i went and saw an ophthalmologist yep. and this guy was well, great he came out you know greeted me in the way hi mark thanks for coming shook my hand come in have a seat you know and so he, he just had this sort of manner this aura about him that, that sort of and then he was absolutely focused on what the issue was. So he was almost so intense. He's leaning forward <laughs> in the chair and he just, you could just see, you know, like this. Yeah. And, and he listened to what I had to say. He examined me. He looked at it. And then when he spoke, he spoke with his total authority because he'd really, he'd done the, you know, he'd listened, he'd examined. And then he spoke with this complete authority about what needed to be done. And, you know, honestly, I just thought, you know, well, I, I was eating out of the palm of his hand, you know, because <laughs> the trust was, was there. Yeah. But so many are sort of like trying to prove something to the patient. They do it by this excessive use of details. And here, let me show you this x-ray. See this tiny little black thing here? That's a hole, right? You know, yeah. and, and it, it, it makes it worse, not better. It makes it worse because they've got to take your word that that's a hole. Like, I mean, they don't know what a hole looks like on an X-ray. I mean, have you ever been there? You're explaining something. Well, of course, I'm holding up, pretending to hold up an X-ray, but nowadays they're all on the screen. Yeah. But, you know, (laughs) have you ever been explaining something on an X-ray to patients and you're going and see that hole there and see this little black area up at the end of the root and all this sort of, you know, pointing all this stuff up? And after about five minutes of this, they look at it and go, what are the white things? (laughs) (laughs) and you suddenly realize that none of it has gone in it's all been a total (laughs) it makes you feel better yeah well it makes you you're trying to prove yourself yeah and meanwhile you're actually making it worse because they're they're now doubting you they're now sort of yeah not not sure about you so yeah you're actually making it worse
1: that's amazing no that's that's so valuable and i think i think I mean, I've, I've heard about the, your methods, obviously from your previous podcast and from talking to my friends. So I've tried to incorporate it a little bit like, you know, red pill, blue pill type thing. Um, but I still catch myself sometimes rambling and pointing at the x-ray and this and that. But, um, like you said, everything is a habit, right? You have to sort of keep at it. And over time you'll, you'll become more natural doing it. So another, um, area I've, I wanted to talk to you about is, um, it's big for new dentists as well is building rapport with patients. Um, so obviously this comes before what we already talked about. So you meet a patient for the first time, um, new to your practice. What do you, cause I find, I mean, I like to build rapport, but I think i maybe overdo it sometimes where I'm like trying, like I'm becoming a friend versus, you know, I think I sometimes maybe like cross that line a little bit too much. So what, what would you be a recommendation yeah. for building rapport with patients and keeping it professional at the same time?
0: Well, my recommendation, actually, I mean, I still practice a bit. um, And so I I do that so I can keep relevant and try experiments and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And uh, on this experiment about rapport, I thought I'd conduct this little experiment a a while ago, and it was how little I can (laughs) talk to a patient about non-dental things and actually get rapport. So I thought... I'll see if I can cut my non-dental conversation to zero, right? <laughs> now, if, I, I guess you've got to say the word hello when they walk <laughs> in, right? But anyway, so, so, the, so what I did was when they walked in the door, I put out my hand, you know, good hand, you know, you've got to know how to do a good handshake. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure it's the same in Canada. You know, the cultural norm in Australia is we say hello with a handshake. For and sure. I'm sure that's what that yeah, So you put out your hand, you know, vertical, you know, nice, you know, meet, meet the hand well, you know, good handshake, good eye conduct. Hi, my name is Mark. You know, thanks for coming. Have a seat, right? That's, that's the introduction. So there's, I guess that's non-dental, but you've, you know, you've got to say hello to them, right? Yeah. But anyway, then you know, I come down right in front of them and I look at them intensely and I say, now I believe you're here today because you've broken a tooth on the lower right. That's it, right? That's <laughs> and we're- aw- we're away, we're into the treatment, right, yeah, and I could not notice any difference at all between doing that and going, "Ah, oh, and tell me what sort of day are you having? hmm, we've been having a bit of weather lately, haven't we, you know <laughs> you know, like all this stuff, yeah. which you, you know is really just irrelevant, isn't it? I mean it just it it it, it means nothing, so I mean it was just. Yeah, it was so interesting to me to see that you can just cut out all this stuff. Now, I have to tell you a story about it. there's two bakeries near my house, right? Yeah. And one of them, you walk in there and they're nice and they smile and say, hello, you know, what do you want? And, uh, you know, I'll have a loaf of wholemeal whole bread slice. So they get it for you and hand it to you and pay the money and you go out, right? You know, pleasant interaction. Yeah. And the other one thought that they're going to build their business by chatting to you, Right. So you walk in there and it's, how's the family? What are they doing? And what are you doing on the weekend? And, and like, I'm like looking at him going, shut up and give me my bread. <laughs> you know? And as, as dentists, we think that they're there so we can ask them what they're doing on the weekend. You know, yeah. like, oh, please. You know, like, so I, I, you uh, and, and your listeners should Google creepy girl meme you know like and it's it's you'll get this picture of this girl yeah and, and it's a bit like most dentists creepy girl meme I'll look it know, and it's uh, when they're trying to build rapport you know they're like a little puppy dog with the tail wagging yeah <laughs> you know like uh, you know oh and and you go sailing do you oh, sailing I love sailing you know <laughs> Give me a break! You know, like, I'm laughing. Oh, really? I'm but, laughing because like <laughs> the,
1: exactly what I do so is embarrassing. <laughs> I'm that I'm definitely that second bakery. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, well, we started. You know, even though the fir- the the one where they're all sort of you know asking us what we do on the weekend, even though that one was closer, we actually now walked the further one <laughs> because we are just so sick of I it. Mean, <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> uh-huh. So in. <laughs>
1: So you build the rapport, you get the case acceptance. Um, where did you, yeah. when you were, when you are a young dentist, uh, where did you develop that comfort level uh, with like the bigger price points on some treatment plans? Um, because obviously, you know, you come out of school, like we, like, I mean, you can see a patient and they need a, you know, to, uh, to, like you said, $1,600 crown in the back of my mind, I'm like, Oh, I can't afford that myself. So how can I expect them to like afford it? So how, like, what do you have and what recommendations do you have for someone to overcome that? initial like price barrier in their own head so they can just present it very comfortably and confidently
0: yeah yeah i I mean it's interesting i've been in so many practices watching so many dentists work with patients and dentists have two big fears the first one's rejection you know the patient says now forget about it just pull the tooth out so that's their first fear but their other huge fear is money you know they're just terrified about money they just can't Bring themselves up. And I can really relate to that. Like when I started my first, um, my own practice, uh, crowns were $640, which tells me how long ago it is. But, um, <laughs> anyway, so a patient would say to me, how much is a crown? I'd go, um, uh, um, uh, 490. Right, you know, and I'd be all nervous and my body language, you know, and all this sort of stuff, and I just discounted the crown by hundred and fifty dollars. I'd go, oh, why did I do that, you know? And yeah. the patient would read my body language, and go, wow, he must be overcharging, you know. Like, <laughs> and yeah. so it was it, even though I was undercharging, it, it had the reverse effect um, because they don't know; they just judge whether your fees fair by your demeanor, how you are when you present it. Um, so I, I really say. I mean, there's a few things. You need to keep your voice. You need to have good eye contact. Always, you know, when you're talking with someone, you look at them in the eyes, you look away, you look, you know, sort of you don't have continuous eye contact. Yeah. But the one time I will always be looking someone straight in the eye is when I say the fee because I want them to know that I mean it. I'll say it's $4,800 and look them straight in the eye because I really want them to know I mean it. Um. But the the other thing is, it it really is just practice. I mean, how I got over it um, was just by doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. And and I say to dentists, well, all dentists, but particularly young dentists, it only hurts the first 200 times. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) We'll get over it. And,
0: And after the first... Yeah, after the first two, so just get out there and tell a patient it's $19,300, right? (laughs) And you go, oh, and you die and try, you know, right? And then you just do it, and you do it, and you do it, and it only hurts the first 200 times. But, you know, I mean, we really do have to get over it because patients don't have this hang-up. I mean, they walk into a car dealership and they say, that's a nice one. How much is that? And the salesman looks them in the eye and says, it's $44,000. Right. Well, yeah. you know, that's, but imagine if they were a dentist, you know, and the patient's, say, how much is that? And the dentist goes, um, oh, no. um, go and ask Melissa over at the desk. She might know, <laughs> you know, like, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah. That's interesting. And, and it so, only hurts the first 200 times. And what's your thoughts
1: on, um, I know in Canada here, um, and I'm sure in Australia as well, certain offices, some bigger offices, uh, practices, they have like an office manager or like a treatment coordinator, uh, that discusses the money with the patient. So the dentist himself doesn't, they treatment plan and then they don't have to discuss any financials with the patient. Uh, what do you think about that? Do you think that's a good idea or it's a bad habit for you know, like an associate dentist uh, to rely on like a treatment coordinator? Because once they go on their own and open their own practice, um, then they're going to run
0: into that issue. I, I think it's a bad idea myself. I mean, if it only takes, 60 to 90 seconds to present the entire treatment plan, including the fee, why wouldn't you do it? Like, this is how long it takes. Let, let's say I'm going to present a fee that's $55,000, right? Yeah. So I go through the e- treatment explanation, right? This is how long it takes me to present the fee. And so to, it's $55,000. <laughs> One sentence, yeah. <laughs> so w- why wouldn't you do it? You know, like it's just yeah. so simple, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is, right, you've taken the patient through all that explanation right and if you say oh now i'll get mary to come in and she'll explain to you how much it costs right so in comes mary and she says and it's fifty-five thousand dollars." and the patient goes oh my god 55 there's no way i can afford that but you've left the room and you're working on your next patient yeah what does mary do you know oh well um uh, I'll just cross out these item numbers and these item numbers and you know, like what does Mary do? She's, yeah, she's right. in between a rock and a hard place. That's Whereas right. if, if you know, she says, oh my God, I can't afford 55. You go, okay, can you give me some idea what is financially feasible for you and we'll try and work with you that. There you are, you know, so so you're still in the room and you've still, couldn't, you know, work out a suitable treatment plan based on their finances. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not a big one but, I mean, the reason treatment coordinators exist or these people who come in, you know, do the closing for the dentist, is just the dentist has never got comfortable with their fees. So they can't say the fee. Yeah. So they'd rather just sneak out of the room and bring someone <laughs> in else in to say it, you know, like that's, that's really it. But yeah, just get comfortable with it. Like, don't worry. I mean, it's money, you know, like, I mean, what is it? You know, you go and earn some more. I mean, a, a friend <laughs> of mine bought a Mercedes S-Class, right? Yeah. You know, S-Class Mercedes. Now it's, don't know how much it is in Canada, but in Australia, it's $280,000 well, on wheels. Cars are, right? cars are
1: super expensive in Australia.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, super So $280,000 on wheels. So he drives it out of the showroom. He's lost $50,000 driving it out of the showroom, yeah. right? <laughs> you know, but he does it again a few years later. Like, it's, it's you just, we just got to get over it. You know, like people pay for things they value, you know, and if, if mainly, or if they don't have the money, you just work within that budget. But it's, yeah, yeah, we've just got to get over our fear of the fee, really. Yeah. And you just said an interesting point. they got to
1: um, appreciate the value of what they're getting. So do you find you know, if in a, in such a short, uh, you know, case presentation, uh, patients like understand that value of what you're providing. If, if they're, like they're, you know, they've neglected everything for a while and they come in and they'd have that, you know, full mouth of work that needs to be done. Um, how, how does that value building work in, in this system?
0: Yeah, well we we've we've sort of jumped to the end, which is the case presentation. That's but there are right. actually three <laughs> steps that lead up to that. <laughs> and, and we sort of jumped to the end. So you you've heard the end of the process, but the, the steps uh, lead up to it is, is rapport. You've got to get the trust from the patient. Yeah. Then you've got to analyze the situation, what's going on in their mouth, do all the dentist stuff, you know, tapping on teeth and x-rays and you know, all all, all our dentist stuff. But also, as you analyse that situation, you have to agitate the patient because they've walked in in a state of complacency. They haven't known what's going on in their mouth. You know, they've they've got a lower six with a huge alloy restoration in it, and they've just broken both lingual cusps off. You know, at gum level. Yeah. And they just think, oh, yeah, I'll just get a quick little filling there, eighty bucks, I'll be out the door. You know, it'll last me for the next twenty years. That's what they're thinking, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to get them out of that complacent situation so they understand hey, this is difficult. This is going to take some work. And there's a whole series of techniques you can use as you're examining them that get them out of that complacent situation that sort of start them worried and concerned about uh, about sort of what's going on in their mouth. So that's that's the, um, you know, and, the, and then you've got to think and get it all straight in your head. So really to say, yeah, if you just get to the end and think you're just going to do a case presentation and that's going to be it. And, and immediately you're going to get acceptance. No, you've got, to, there's a few steps you've got to build up to before you get there. And um, if it's a bigger case,
1: um, like I'm, I'm having this issue myself, like if I see a, like a new patient for a new patient exam, obviously if there's, you know, a few care, like cavities here and there or some small things that need to be done, I'm, I'm like quick enough and, and, like alert enough to like put something together on the spot and present it. Um, if it's a bigger case though, and you need that time to like think and, and analyze things, um,
0: how would you approach that situation? So you're talking about a case that you can't work out and treatment plan on the spot. Yeah. Is that or, what you're saying? Yeah. Right, right okay. now. Yeah. <laughs> I need to work on my treatment planning. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. That, that's fine. So um, the thing with it is patients are never offended by you saying, wow, this is complicated, there's a lot going on here, I just need to sit and think and work this out. Can I get you back on Friday and we'll talk through what, what's going on? Uh, they, they're never offended by that. So you, you're always, it's always the best thing, just to sort of, if you can't get it all straight in your head, don't just start shooting the breeze and saying, well, we might look at this and we could consider that and we might want to think about this and, yeah. you know, all this sort of stuff which you're just burning up your credibility shooting the breeze. Just say to the patient, this is complicated. I, I've just got, there's so many issues going on here. I've just got to work it through and work it all out. Can I see you again early next week and we'll go through what what needs to be done? So and that, that's the best way. And then go away, get it all straight in your own head. And then when the patient comes back early next week, then you're speaking with real authority, with real sort of conviction because you, you've worked it out and you know what you need to do. That's, that's
1: really valuable. Thank you. Cause I, I am, I do that. I I see something and there's a lot going on and I'm like, I'm trying to work it out as I'm talking to the patient and it's just like a big mess. Right. Um, so I think having that confidence to say, you know what, this is complex. Um, let me think it over and come back and then we'll, we'll, we'll go through a treatment plan together at that time or something. That'd be great
0: yeah well before you start speaking and explaining treatment to patients there's four things you've got to get straight in your head you've got to get the diagnosis you've got to know what's going on the next thing is you've got to have two options like i said two options in red pill blue pill you've got to work those out then you need to know the fee you're going to charge and then the final thing is you need to know any warnings that you're going to say at the end of it like you know, if you need to warn them about some aspect of the treatment. So that's your legal thing. So those four things. Now, until you've got those four things straight in your head, you just got to zip it, really, you know, (laughs) when it comes to talking about treatment. So if a patient, if I haven't got those four things absolutely straight in my head and a patient says, what's going on? What do we need to do? I say, I don't know, I'm still working it out. (laughs) That's what I say. You know, like, I'm still working it out. (laughs) Yeah, and and here's an interesting one. Like, sometimes a patient's there and they'll they'll come in with a a tooth, a dental issue, right? And it may be a little bit complicated. And even though I've been doing it for years, I've still got to think about it a bit. So they're sitting there and I've examined them and I've got the information, I'm looking at the x-rays, and I'll say, this is complicated. I, I just need to think about it for a minute. I'm, it's true. Yeah. I do need to think about it. I would just I would just sit there and look at the x ray. And then all of a sudden, I know what we need to do, right? I've got your four things. So then I turn to the patient and say, then I'll say, I got it. I know what we need to do. And then you talk, right? <laughs> and the patients, they appreciate the fact that you actually sat there, thought about it, and yeah. then all of a sudden you turn to them. I've got it. I know what we need to. You know, they're sort of like. <laughs> You're a wow, this is yeah. cool. <laughs> Whereas, if you just start blurting out, well, maybe we could do an implant. Oh no, no, that wouldn't work. No, maybe we'll do a. You know, like if you start doing that, you just look like a fool. You know, <laughs> stop it. You know, you don't. You just you know zip it until you know what what the what yeah. the real situation
1: <laughs> is. Yeah, that's awesome. So to review the four things. Uh, diagnosis know what's going on two is how you're going to present it like options like red blue uh, no. the, like the two different options yeah,
0: yeah. The, the two options for treating it
1: yep and third is cost so you have that straight in your head yep and four is possible mm-hmm. complications or or issues that the patient should be aware of before like accepting uh, giving consent basically yep yeah exactly that's perfect that's so valuable yep. i hope so <laughs> for I like, I like how you break things down it's so uh, it's so practical and I think I think that's why people uh, love your courses because they go in and they get um, practical information that they can apply the next day it's not theories to test out it's like here's what you should do one two three it's like doing like prime h prime bond for filling It's like reproducible and predictable right yeah. so that's amazing so just f- f- from my side of things and what I want to talk to you a little bit about um, obviously and I'm a new grad and I've got this, you know, podcast started out now. Um, and I'm creating something on the side and obviously you've, you've done this for a while now under the relaxed dentist, uh, sort of brand. Um, so if you don't mind, like for, for last, you know, a few minutes here, just talking about, uh, your journey into starting the relaxed dentist and sort of what made you jump into uh, lecturing and how you sort of started building up that reputation and that clientele. Cause that's something that I know I'm interested in. And a lot of my you know close friends within dentistry, um, we're all trying to like do something outside of dentistry and grow something and, and, uh, leave behind some legacy. So I think what you're doing has been incredible and you've helped so many dentists. So can you just talk to me a little bit about that? Like, when did you decide what point in your career were you and, and sort of like, what steps did you take to get to, uh, starting the relaxed dentist?
0: Uh, Well, I I sold my practice pretty much nearly nine years ago now. I thought I was going to retire, you know, I was just going to play (laughs) tennis and drink coffee and and all this sort of stuff. But uh, after a short while, that didn't sort of work out because you sort of, the first six months, you wake up with nothing to do and nowhere to go and it's great fun. But after that, you think, oh, I need to do something, you know. So I was very lucky one of the corporates in Australia had me in and I was going around looking at underperforming practices. So I'd just go and sit in the corner and watch the dentist work. And uh, I mean, sometimes I'd see dentists who had technical problems with their skills. Like, you know, they weren't up to speed technically. But almost always the problem was communication. If they were failing in practice, it was because they could not communicate well with patients. And that surprised me because I'd done all the courses and it was sort of, it had become over the years second nature to me. But anyway, yeah. that, was, that was what was going on. They couldn't communicate properly with patients. So, so I thought to myself, gee, isn't that interesting, you know, that, that this is such an endemic problem across the profession, For you sure. know, all these dentists out there not having the practices they could have because they couldn't communicate. So then I thought, well, why not put together a course? And that's it. Really, it was just to fill a need that I'd seen in the, in the profession, yeah, But one of the great shames that I think happens is that every dentist I've ever met has some unique piece of knowledge, you know, and they've also got gaps as well. And I've got gaps and, you know, but I've got, uh, you know, a, a few unique pieces of knowledge and, uh, you know, they'll just retire or leave the profession and nobody will ever know the difference. So yeah. I sort of had this mission. I, I All of a sudden I realized I had some knowledge that the average dentist didn't have, I knew that knowledge was incredibly valuable. I mean, how could I retire at 51 sort of thing? So I knew that <laughs> knowledge was incredibly valuable. So I thought, you know, why not just start getting it out there? And that's that's really it. So, I mean, if you were wanting to start something up, I mean, you've got to think to yourself, you know, at this stage, I guess you've got your youth and enthusiasm. <laughs> but then you start getting out there and you start yeah. studying. You start delving into areas and you start going you know but uh, and that'd be the thing you know like and then when you've got some something unique uh, uh, and so many dentists out there i reckon they're me too you know like they just really you can look at their practice and you can tell oh you graduated from you know adelaide university and uh you know like you just tell the way they practice or you can yeah. tell you know, the, what their first boss thought because they just kept doing the same thing, same thing, you know. So I'd say you've got to always be experimenting, you know, and I was experimenting with stuff like single-visit root canals, you know, and uh, I was doing that years before it was it was acceptable, right, you know, cause, but uh, but I knew, I knew it worked, right, because I, I did it and it worked, you know, so I knew it worked, but it was – it was like you didn't tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now single visit root canals are mainstream, right? Yeah. You know, the majority, I believe, in the, in North America that have done a single visit, you know? So yeah. they're, now they're mainstream, you know, and even mainstream in Australia. We've got endodontists, specialist endodontists, who single, you know, but... But, you know, you've got to occasionally get out of your comfort zone, get out on that cutting edge and try a few things. And with the communication techniques, I mean, I was sort of just constantly experimenting with them and trying new things. And that that gives you that broad range of experience, but that also that special expertise that people might be interested in. You know, if you've just done me too, the same as everybody else. You know, it's not that fascinating. So I'd say get out there on a limb and have a go and try a few things and experiment. And you you fail with lots of things. You know, I um, mean, oh yeah, but some of the yeah yeah. Anyway, that's incredible. No, that's that means a lot. And it's it's funny
1: that you say that to try different things and and the fact that you can like go to an office a practice. And you can tell where that person's from, what school they're from, because a lot of people just uh, stick to tried and true, right? And they don't try and experiment and learn new things. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's that's one thing I heard, like, you know, as a new grad, I've always like heard, and I wasn't sure what that meant. They're like, oh, if you work by yourself, like you'll build bad habits. So what do you think about that? Like, what does that, is that just like you're doing bad work and you just get used to it? Or does that mean, like, (laughs) what does that mean usually when someone says that? I don't know
0: what that means. Yeah. If you work by yourself, you'll build bad habits.
1: Yeah. Like if you're like a new dentist and you're in a new practice by yourself, say like you open up your own practice um, and you're kind of just like, you know, you're in your own little uh, isolation area, just working, doing your thing. Um, you can pick up and build some bad like dental habits, like clinical habits. So that's an interesting one I've heard. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm not sure about that. I, I mean, I, I don't think your first couple of years out, you've got the skill. That, you know, I mean, it's hard enough just doing clinical dentistry for the first couple of years.
1: Yeah. Let alone
0: trying to run a practice as well. So yeah. I don't know. I, sure. I I think we almost most of us, you know, just start off working for someone else. You know, but um, but I think you might pick up more bad habits from working for someone else. Really. <laughs> yeah. But,
1: you learn you learn their bad bad habits, I guess.
0: Yeah, you, you do need uh, some friends and some confidants, you know, some people, because the problem is you go to a dental meeting, right?
1: Yeah.
0: And it's, you know, the people who are standing around at the cocktail hour drinking and carrying on, you know, like you know that's 98% BS, don't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you need, you do need some friends in dentistry who you can actually tell them what really happens in your practice. You know, yep. sure. Tell you what really happens in theirs, you know. You've got to have a few people like that, and I I was very lucky. I had a group of, you know, there was four of us, and we could all just pretty much be ourselves, and we didn't have to BS and carry on and go. The world's wonderful, and we've never had a crown that's failed. And yeah, for sure.
1: I think that's so that's so important, and that's partly why I started the podcast because, like, I went to school in Australia in Melbourne, and then I moved here, and I didn't have any dental friends. Um, So I stay in touch with my my classmates, obviously back home. Um, but the podcast was a way of you know reaching out and, and meeting new dentists um, who are like-minded and and obviously uh, meeting like uh, mentors and learning from them as well. So I uh, sort to thank you again for uh, coming on the podcast. Um, I think it was really valuable. I think i I personally learned a lot, and I'm sure all the listeners uh, picked up a lot of great uh, actionable um, tidbits of information from you. So, uh, for sure, I will uh, put up the relaxeddentist.com uh, so people have uh, access to your website and they can and uh, see what you're offering and what you're all about. And hopefully, uh, we can uh, convince you to come out here to Toronto and uh, do a course as well.
0: Yeah, love to come to Toronto. I'm I'm terribly embarrassed to admit I've never been to Canada. <laughs> it's, it's it's a great. It's a great gap in my in my world experiences, but it's one that I will correct.
1: Yeah, for sure. And uh, just wait a few months because it's been freezing here. So it's, uh, enjoy the Mel- the Melbourne summer, and then uh, hopefully uh, when it's warmer here, we can get you out here.
0: <laughs> All right. Thank you. Awesome. Cheers.
1: Thanks very much, Dr. Acid.